In today's episode, I speak with Trent Jackson, founder and consultant at Tango Packaging, a company focused on providing premium and sustainable solutions to CPG brands. In today's conversation, Trent shares about his journey over the last 10 years as he built Tango Packaging with a holistic perspective, carrying the belief that through hands-on creative problem solving, it is possible to cut costs, increase product sustainability, and increase sales. We discuss how the recent global supply chain issues have affected the packaging industry and driven innovation. He speaks about the fragmentation in the packaging space and offers a fresh perspective on what is possible when you approach problems as opportunities that need creative solutions. Finally, we discuss sustainability, and he shares his thoughts on how to move the packaging industry towards a more circular economy. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Trent, so let's hop right in. Well, Trent, thank you for joining us today. We're very happy to have you on the program, and um, I just want to get started, so let's go right into it. Can you share with us a little bit more about your company, Tango Packaging, and how you yourself uh, got involved um, and landed in the CPG packaging space? Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for having me, Susanna. It's great to be with you. Um, I started into the packaging uh, industry uh, right out of college. Actually, I still had to finish my senior business class, a finance class. And so I ended up working, got into sales. I had a sales background, so I got into the packaging industry through sales and uh, kind of fell in love with the industry. Learned a lot, saw a lot of opportunity there. So after just a couple years in finishing my degree, I had left originally thinking that I was going to go into investment banking, a completely different area. Um, but you know, I saw those opportunities and I saw some kind of interesting and fun things to get involved with. And, um, I decided to launch Tango Packaging and we literally just this month hit 10 years. So congratulations. One decade long. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so that's what helped start it is just seeing some of the opportunities that are out there and trying to bridge the gap between machinery and automation that's going on in production and also the packaging components themselves, mm-hmm. the films, the labels, um, because sometimes I would find, you know, the machine manufacturers would point fingers at the suppliers, suppliers would point fingers at the machine manufacturers. So that kind of gave me the idea to really come in as a problem solver with a strategic approach. And to this day, that's still really our advantage is, um, is being able to come in and um, solve a lot of problems that customers are having. So a lot of our new customers that we get are referrals from someone that know that we can help them out with a problem that they're having. Yeah, that's interesting because I know some of the best innovation comes from you seeing a problem and wanting to bridge the gap. So is that how Tangle Packaging really started then? So you could see some areas where they could be improved or where you could help somebody out and that's where you got your idea of going forward with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I always had interest, like I mentioned, investment banking and in finance and in technology. I kind of was playing around in those spaces a little bit. And mm-hmm. if you look at those two industries, they are really on the bleeding edge of mm-hmm. um, innovation. Um, whereas the packaging industry, in my opinion, was very old school. I mean, it was um, really, really lagging behind. Um, everything from simple things like even company websites and uh, mm. like basic stuff looked like it was still on web 1.0. So um, 
just seeing such an awesome opportunity to take stuff that's not necessarily brand new, but it is new mm-hmm. to the packaging industry and applying it to, you know, our industry was kind of fun to me to do. So Wow. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Recently we've seen a lot of issues in the news with supply chain. And so in your opinion, um, do you see any any evolutions that uh, need to take place uh, in order to level up the technology uh, in the supply chain? Well, first off, the packaging industry has been very fragmented. So mm-hmm. there, there, there's a lot of mom and pop. There's a lot of family businesses, multi-generational leaders now that are um, running companies that were started by their parents. And because of that, it, that fragmentation has created a supply chain issue. And even more so with COVID and some of these um, supply chain issues we're having today, mm-hmm. it has caused, you know, freight has gone way up. And so it's now not as great news. We have customers like we don't even want to ship from, you know, Northern California down to Southern California, even though it's the same state uh, back here in the West Coast. It's, that's a, still a lot of range to to move product. And so, um, and we're mm-hmm. talking about moving maybe from a co-packer, right, to a filler and then back to the distribution center. So I see a huge opportunity in being able to uh, consolidate. And it's actually starting to happen. You're starting to see some consolidation happening, merger and acquisitions happening, private equities coming into the space. And you're starting to see a little bit more national presence so that you can have more localized manufacturing um, so that's one major area that I think will help. And, and then two, just getting, like I mentioned a little bit, you know, in your first question, just being able to get these not rocket science work, right? Not bleeding edge stuff, just stuff mm-hmm. that's already best practices and technology that's already being utilized in other spaces and applying it to our space. One, one big thing that's starting to hit our space is smart packaging. So mm-hmm. that's utilizing, you know, um, QR codes, barcodes, and other digital identities to help engage with the consumers. Um, yeah. But it also helps with tracing and tracking the supply chain itself, where the products are moving through, which can help with big data and getting mm-hmm. back, you know, information to see area stuffs moving quicker. Uh, where consumers and we're getting live feedback, right? These brands, CPG companies can get live feedback from their consumers to make much quicker decisions. Um, And that helps with them on their procurement side, right? Trying to procure the materials that they need so they can keep up with demand. Um, But it also helps with brand protection and um, product authentication. So, um, you know, we've seen some issues starting to come in the space with uh, knockoffs and kind of that gray market area that um, is causing not only companies to lose revenue because consumers are not buying the product manufactured by themselves, but it's being taken and, and copied and using their brand name to sell the same product that they're losing revenue on. But even maybe a bigger issue is the liability that runs with that of those products not being safe you bring up a great point about counterfeiting. And I think we see a lot more of that these days, unfortunately. How can you, um, you know, protect your brand or use labeling to prevent that from happening? Is there something specific that you could share with us that could help um, companies in, in that space when they when they produce a label? 
Yeah, there there's different technologies that um, companies are using and what we're actually using. So starting with one, there's an awesome company that makes a really unique ink. So this ink mm. can now be go, go straight into your actual label itself, but it's also invisible. So it can oh, wow. lay over maybe your logo or in a specific spot on the label. And then you have specific scanners and they, they're actually building out the technology now to use even um, smartphones to be able to scan it. And they're able to use those scanners to now authenticate that this product is real and they know where to go. And it's a, a unique ink that, you know, um, people that are trying to rip it off, won't have access to and won't be able to use. Um, so there's stuff like that. There's QR codes. There's serial labeling through using digital printing. So mm. you can actually print, whereas historically, you know, the different printing processes that we've had, it would almost be impossible to do serial printing where you each label can have a unique aspect about it. So that way um, we can trace and track product and where it hits into the uh, supply chain and, and on to mm -hmm. the consumer. Um, and the cool thing about all that is it helps you trace and track all of it, but it also can give some authentication and um, opening up, you know, transparency to the consumer to kind of trace to see the life journey from cradle to grave of the products that they're consuming. You know, and that seems like such a great answer and innovation to to move forward with that with those different ways. But do you think that is there a high cost to that? Uh, are companies willing to you know pay for that technology um, in order to prevent something like counterfeiting? Are you seeing? Um, any pushback or uh, any comments from companies about going forward with this type of technology? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily the cost because the cost is not that extreme. It, it's really minuscule. It's a small cost increase. Um, I know certain industries like the water industry, for example, right? They're very, very, very cost sensitive. Um, I mean, shaving off a fraction of a penny makes a big difference. But then you got other industries like the spirits and um, cosmetic and other products yeah. where um, there's a lot of this going on in that space. Um, beverage space too, like uh, Five Hour Energy. It happened five years ago in 2016. They finally closed a lawsuit that was started in 2012 when they had found and, and eventually confiscated over 2 million bottles of Five Hour Energy that um, were through gray market being manufactured and distributed through, you know, non-authorized um, companies. And it all started with the FDA opening it up because they tracked 13 deaths to Five Hour Energy oh and it was actually not Five Hour Energy's product. So, I mean, it took them four years to trace the supply chain. And we're talking back in... 2012 to 2016, not too long ago, um, and how much that technology has really advanced now and gotten where it needs to be. So I think companies are slowly starting to see um, that they need it. When we sit down and talk with you know companies and we ask like, hey, how, brand authentication, all that doesn't matter. Um, there's not a lot of companies uh, thinking about it yet. A lot of the big companies are because they're seeing the liability and they're seeing right. also the loss of revenue. And I saw a, st a study that showed in the spirits industry alone, there's something like 20, close to 20% um, of all spirits sold are not authentic to what they're sold, supposed to be sold as. So 
I mean, that, that's, that's pretty big numbers, 10 to 20%, somewhere yeah. that falls within there. And so with a much smaller increase in costs, you're actually going to be gaining more in revenue just by being able to, to really shut down on the selling of products that aren't really your brand. Yeah, I think, you know, that's brand reputation. So even if they can trace it back to somebody else who, you know, is producing it under their name, you still have to win back those consumers at some point to, you know, that they that they feel the product is safe and that they're not going to yeah. run into this issue again. So I think with those types of technologies to reassure them that mm -hmm. what they're buying is authentic is is huge. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, now I'd like to talk about the advancement of the digital presses. So can you share with us how this technology has really changed the packaging process? Yeah, digital presses have been jumping leaps and bounds in their technology. HP Indigo and H Hewlett Packard being kind of the industry standard that's pushing the cutting edge of digital printing. And I mean, it, it has really helped both the very large Fortune 500 brands all the way down to the new startups. And, mm -hmm. you know, everything from low minimum orders to help the medium, smaller guys, um, but to variable content and versioning printing, like I was mentioning, right, with serial numbers or even where Coca-Cola did uh, a unique can where they had text that was printed that not one can was alike. It was every can sold was unique itself, right? And that's Coca-Cola. I mean, they're selling billions and billions of cans a year. So digital technology really helps enable that. It also helps going to market much faster now, which matters mm -hmm. too, especially with supply chain issues and not being able to have such luxury with forecasting and, and all that and, and being able to stay on forecast. So it helps you know go to market faster, multiple SKUs, again, to more smaller, medium people. If you have multiple SKUs with smaller quantities, you're able to, to run seamlessly and change over on the press much faster than uh, the other printing methods available. And then there's no plates, no setup fees. Um, right. And from a sustainability point, because we love sustainability and we really want to be on that forefront of pushing to a more sustainable future, um, digital presses take the least amount of setup, the least amount of wasted material to get the machine prepped and, and going, um, least amount of inks, all of that. So from a sustainability standpoint, it's a it's a much more feasible and sustainable option. So you mentioned sustainability. So maybe I want you to expand on that a little bit more and share with us maybe some of the ways that the packaging industry is innovating to create a more circular economy. So we love the Ellen MacArthur, you know, foundation. They're kind of really the standard on that circular economy and just being able to watch and see what they're putting out um, because mm -hmm. all the big brands, everybody really tracked that. And really, I've broken it down to three major areas when it comes to sustainability of how we can get to a circular economy when it comes to packaging. That would be first, the brands themselves moving away from the bad actors, materials and stuff to more good actors, good materials. Now, I want to caveat that with, with the fact there's a lot of greenwashing going on out there. There's a lot of people claiming sustainability and doing the things mm -hmm. that maybe sound nice, but they're not great. I saw an airlines, a major airlines announced that they're going away from uh, plastic water bottles on their planes serving to boxed water. Now that sounds great because for some reason there's a push to that plastic is evil. 
but really plastic materials are not good or bad. It's, it's what we do with them that can be good or bad, just like any other material from metal to wood to paper. Um, mm -hmm. But to be able to put liquid into a paper box, you have to line it with something that now mm -hmm. does not make that box recyclable. So now they're moving from a recyclable plastic bottle <laughs> yeah. to a to a yeah. box that's non-recyclable. It has to get trashed and thrown into landfill now. So that's the type of stuff we really don't want to be a part of, and we're not talking mm -hmm. about those things. We're really we want to be authentic. We believe it's better to say, "Hey, look, we're not perfect at sustainability," um, but that's because no one is. But we are yeah. working on becoming more sustainable in the future and here's how we're doing it and these are the efforts that we're working towards to get there so some of the cool innovative things going on in our space and what we're doing we're working with ink manufacturers that are that are actually creating a washable ink um Ooh. so you can act, the the recyclers can now de-ink the the shrink sleeves in the plastic bottles um, that gets them more to a more desirable, clear, right, plastic that can actually be recycled. We're working with the resin, the large resin manufacturers and the raw material manufacturers that are pushing um, and working on innovating different types of substrates, right, getting into chemistry. You want to move away from PVC. PVC is not recyclable. It's not good for the environment. So we try to get the brands to move away from PVC to PTG, right? Um, but that glycol on there, that G, not to get too crazy with the chemistry, but that causes some problems for recyclers and it causes a clumping in the recycling process. So bottles don't have the glycol in it, but shrink sleeves, right? A big product that we help make um, has. And, but now these substrate manufacturers are getting materials like using crystalline PET. So it doesn't have to have that glycol. Oh. And that also helps too. So the plastic actually breaks down if it does land in the landfill. So it can still mm -hmm. break down much sooner and not live there forever. Um, so those are some of the benefits. But yeah, number one would be the brands moving forward from bad actors to good actors. Number two is getting the recyclers now through automation and through equipment and machinery to quickly, and even using AI, artificial intelligence, to quickly mm -hmm. understand what's going through on their conveyor systems to then identify what is recyclable and making sure that things that are recyclable are getting recycled and things that aren't, they have to kick off to go in the landfill. And so helping the recyclers, because it's very fragmented too, the recycling industry is, getting them to then send through the good actors to be recycled. And then the last is the consumer, right? The consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. Getting them to move away from throwing stuff away to actually recycling it. And there's a lot of efforts in that area to help educate, to help make the process more seamless and easier. Um, and even in some cases, gamifying it and using packaging where, for example, like a shrink sleeve, we can print on the inside of that shrink sleeve. So they have to remove the shrink sleeve from the bottle to get maybe a code or a coupon or something that they can log on and, and online or use their a QR code real quickly with their smartphone to get some type of interaction, um, rebate, something. And now they remove that label so that way it makes it easier to to recycle. And you make a you raise a good point because I think a lot of it does fall on the consumer. So I recently saw a package where you could, you know, you pull the tab and it comes off and it's, you know, sometimes there are directives on the label to get the consumer to put it in the right space with recycling. Like if you go to the airport, they have 
maybe two or three different bins, you have to decide which one it falls under. But do you think that there is like a cohesive effort to educate consumers about making those choices and decisions when they purchase something and then what do they do with it afterward? Are they just throwing it in the trash? Or, you know, it sounds like some of these ideas that I've been seeing and what you just mentioned are, are, are maybe working, but do you see a maybe more of a cohesive effort across uh, the industry to educate consumers in, in, in the same standard way? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I want to kind of preface that with a couple things real quick about that packaging itself. When it comes to waste, all waste in landfill, People usually point to packaging being the bad guy, right? You hear a lot about packaging, overuse of packaging, big boxes. You know, TVs come in these huge boxes with all this styrofoam and all this stuff in it just to protect it. And, and sometimes it looks like there's a lot of extra space and extra waste and bad design that takes up more space on the pallets, which means, you know, more, you know, carbon footprint because more trucks, all of that. But Packaging waste, I saw both in Canada and the United States, very, very similar to the mm -hmm. stats um, in both countries that were tracking this. It's packaging waste is less than like 14% of all waste in landfill. Oh, wow. Food waste is number one. That's the number one is food waste, right? And getting food waste yep. moved and all that. And so, first off, I would like to say at least, hey, the packaging industry is you know, doing a pretty good job when we're not the major source of waste. Um, but then secondly, um, until we can actually physically, you know, teleport a product to your house from the manufacturing facility, which I don't see happening, uh, we're going to need packaging. Nice idea. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need packaging. Yeah. So, um, the question is then how can we educate the consumers? Because really, if we want to point fingers at anything, we need to point fingers at consumption. I mean, there's so much consumption going on and that consumption is what causes a lot of waste. And so yeah. there's a lot of education. There's a lot of efforts from, I see stuff from, um, you know, people trying to live more modest and um, simpler lifestyles um, mm -hmm. to, you know, packaging and recyclers using um, drop-off locations that are much easier, um, that are using... Um, kind of gamifying it, like I mentioned earlier, and giving different incentives mm -hmm. for people to to actually recycle. Um, that zipper thing that you mentioned, that we put those yeah. on shrink sleeves, and um, that we, that's with shrink sleeves that aren't recyclable because they're not using the, the, the washable inks or the materials that are recyclable. So they can remove that so at least it doesn't contaminate or destroy the primary packaging, which is usually a plastic bottle or a can or um, a glass bottle that can be actually go through to be recycled. So those are a lot of the efforts that are going on, but it's much bigger than just a simple, um, make sure you throw what's in trash, trash, and then make sure you throw into recycling what's recycling. I mean, it's, it's a really a big consumer in a consumptive mentality that we got to tackle on a large scale. And, the, and if you look at other countries and like the UK, they're, they're much better than the US at recycling and stuff. So that's mm. been, you know, through their culture and through time, through education. So it's not a quick yeah. fix overnight. But again, we're not perfect. We want to admit that, but we're working towards a better future, a circular economy. 
It's fantastic to hear that, you know, moving in the right direction, I'd say. I have one more question around of technology and um, wanting to know how that's played a role in uh, gathering data. Um, you kind of spoke about it a little bit before around efficiency in the packaging supply chain. So um, maybe you can elaborate a little bit more about that and how you handle your metrics or how you you know can do that traceability, as you mentioned. Big data is making a huge impact across every industry, but specifically in packaging, in, in utilizing, like I mentioned earlier, artificial intelligence, you're able to create from the production standpoint, ma machine learning that can go on. And so through that machine learning, you can take complex data and it can analyze it within a matter of seconds using artificial intelligence and and then that machine can make decisions it can make stuff like machinery cleaning and maintenance that needs to take place immediately so you're not overdoing it or underdoing it you're actually taking care of the machine as it needs it or optimizing manufacturing altogether so that our manufacturing processes are more lean right more sustainable um but also faster and be able to have a larger output yeah much more efficient um, it helps with that whole automation and integration process. When we integrate from, you know, the analog, like the actual physical bottles all the way to digital and using like 3D scanners to scan bottles, we can, for using shrink sleeves, which is our main product that we launched with originally 10 years ago, be able to distort those artwork and everything without having to print and waste a lot of time and material, um, and get right artwork distortions. So the artwork looks the way it's supposed to when it shrinks around a bottle um, all the way through to even prototyping. I mentioned earlier in the very beginning, a lot of people come to us at Tango Packaging and, and ask for our help with solving problems. So we can use technology that we have in both digitally and also automated equipment to come up with prototypes through like 3D scanners, through digital printers through 3D printing and create these prototypes that are able to help us quickly solve problems before we have to put it on a big press and put it into big production and cut all this material up and get it there to know that, hey, this is not going to work. So it helps us solve so that when the CPG brands get the materials and the products that they need to manufacture their products, it's actually what they need and it's going to solve the problems wow. that they need to be solved. Yeah. It's like, uh, just finding the answer up front so you don't have to waste time later. Yes. Um, you are so passionate about packaging. It makes me want to get in that space. It's thank you for sharing with us, uh, all of these innovative ways and in technology and what you're doing, these great things at Tango Packaging. But I want to ask you looking ahead, what are you, what are you most excited about in this space? Uh, looking forward into the future. Yeah, I, I love, um, just seeing the new and innovative brands that are coming to the space. Um, these CPG companies that are creating some awesome products and they're doing it through premium. You're starting to see some amazing premium products, which is really the best way to disrupt. Uh, an existing industry is through premium products. We've seen this so many times through different brands that pop up and carve out space and carve out a market or even create a whole new market like coconut water and stuff. So seeing all these cool innovations that are going on in the space and seeing them use packaging to help 
really drive that innovation and that disruption in the marketplace. Because you have a premium product, you got to have premium packaging or at least a look sure. that matches that. And so that the consumers mm -hmm. see that and differentiates itself on the shelf or online and, and they choose that product over the traditional product they've been buying. So to me, it's been fun to see a lot of new startups, a lot of new innovation going on um, on these different products that are hitting the space. And then also the second thing I would say would be automation that's going on. Just we really believe in automation. And I think there's no better way to compete with China when it comes to manufacturing and it comes to jobs and, and, and revenue being made here in the US. There's no better way to compete with China than through automation because they have a huge labor force. And we've even seen the, what they're calling it the great resignation now. I mean, last year I saw a stat that over 62 million people voluntarily left their jobs, um, which is the highest wow. numbers to date. So that's a problem for these companies. And so how, how do we handle the yeah. labor force? How do we handle change going on so much or, or people calling us sick, COVID disrupting the huge it disrupted you know so many people were out i mean we had to try to run as many shifts just to catch up and um yeah. you know we navigated through pretty well but utilizing automation is really what helped us get through that and so i would recommend if companies are automating now they need to get on it because it's the only way to really compete into to really grow and, and keep up with the scaling you know skateboard curve that a company wants to achieve yeah, that's fantastic. And thank you for sharing that with us. Now to our listeners who want to learn more about Tango Packaging and see all the great work that you're doing, if you could share with us where they could go to, to find you. Yeah, they can. we have a lot of information on our website. We're always updating our blogs and information on there. So tangopackaging.com. Um, and then I'm very active on LinkedIn, uh, really trying to put out innovative things that are going on, solutions to common problems and what's new and coming and just trying to really help CPG brands and, and, and procurement buyers, marketers, production people on um, how they can you know do their job better through uh, packaging and even beyond packaging. Thank you so much, Trent. It was great to have you and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, Susanna. Thank you for having me on. Thanks so much. Take care. You've been listening to the CPG Innovation Podcast. You'll find complete bios for today's guests as well as links to their work on our website. While you're there, check out past episodes and additional content on fast-moving consumer goods. Make sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. The CPG Innovation Podcast is presented by Celerant. I'm your host, Susanna Tripologis. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time.